The Torah content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. No, I had the recording thing for, beforehand. But it can't be that the words are recorded. No, no, it can't be. It's an impossibility. Okay, so uh, I picked this one because we were going to do something short. Uh, and I realized only recently that um, it's possible I'm going to have to cancel Thursday or possibly like tail him or maybe both my stream for an annoying reason, which is I have to give a final uh, for Turo for the whole writing thing that I'm doing. And I thought I could do it early, but I, I have to do it during the time that they're doing it. So I'll keep you posted about that. Um, so uh, I don't know how far we're going to get in this one because it's short on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's difficult to read and, um, and we'll see what happens. Okay. So this is, we typically say this when Friday night. Yeah, so we say this Friday night after Ms. Morshiyah Shabbos. Okay, and it's the one that comes after Ms. Morshiyah Shabbos. Oh, you know what? I have, a, I have English, if you want. I just want to have the whole text. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that, I have that, too. I just forgot to give it to you. <laughs> yeah. Not that it would be bad to get article, but... Uh, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so this is... So the one before this is Ms. Morshiyah Shabbos, and there is, as background information... The Redox says that, I, I think the Redox says Moshe Rabbeinu wrote from Ms. Moshe Yulia Mashabas until Perak 100. I forgot if it includes that or not. So there might be a thematic unity. And that's kind of what drew me into this one because we say it right after Ms. Moshe Yulia Mashabas. And I feel like it, the Minhag has to assume that it's related. But uh, we'll see what happens. And then the warning is that this is a really difficult one to translate because the grammatical structures are so weird. So I don't really know grammar. I did the best I could. We'll see what happens. Okay. Hashem Malach. Now, literally, that means Hashem has reigned, but it's weird to say that because why? He still is reigning, right? So there are those who learn this to be about Yemoth Mashiach, and this is what people will say. Like, they'll acknowledge in retrospect that Hashem has reigned, but we're not going to take that approach because I don't think that's thought as we'll see. Um, so I translated this in, in the present tense, and like I said, like until you can play fast on those two the tenses. So Hashem Malach, Hashem has reigned. Geuth Lavesh. Uh, clothed in grandeur. Deus is grandeur, greatness, whatever you want to say. Yeah. I feel like our school translates um, Deus as like girded. Uh, they translate Hit Azar as girded. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which which uh, is part of the dividing this up is hard to translate. It is hard to do. So, Hashem Malach, Geus Labesh, he has uh, clothed himself with majesty or clothed in grandeur. I think our school says donned. Labesh Hashem. Okay, comma, Hashem has clothed himself. Oz Hisazar, he has girded himself with strength. And girding meaning like putting on a belt, like an Azor. Af Tikon Tevel Baltimo, even the world, now it switches to the second person, you firmly established, the world that you firmly established will not falter or will not fake. Okay, dramatic opening sentence, but weird. Nafum Kisacha Me'az, your throne is firm from, from then, literally from then, but meaning from like times of old. Me olam ata from forever are you? Not to, okay. Now this part, uh, our school translates non literally, so I didn't use our school here. Uh, our school puts in the words their voices. Um, okay, no, sorry, no. The public says that. Where's our school? Our school does something different. I don't know. We'll see. Nasu naharos Hashem. Nasu naharos kolam. The streams lifted up. Hashem. The streams lifted up their voice. Yitu naharos dachiam. Streams lift up or will lift up their, their roaring, their crushing. I'm clear how to translate that. Mikolos Maim Rabim, 
So here the mem is um that it's a mem as a of comparison. So more so than Maim Rabim, the many waters, meaning not from many waters, but more so than, than the sound of many waters. Adirim Mishbureyam, the sea is majestic breakers or waves. Um, I think the the English translations go with breakers because they try to uh, preserve the Shoresh. Adir Bamarom Hashem, majestic on high is Hashem. Also, Adir can mean uh, strong, I think, but I think, uh, um, I don't know why I went with majestic. Oh, I think because that, that fit better with the grandeur thing. Eido Secha Ma'od, your testimonies are exceedingly trustworthy. Levesacha Nava Kodesh. For your house, holiness is suitable, or holiness suits your house. I, I made the order more natural there. Hashem Hashem for long days. Yeah. Okay. So first impressions and like like just uh you know sentence feeling was uh what do you say? Um it definitely gives me one of those like Hillen vibes where like the, he's using nature, like nature's like yeah. grandness, yeah, as like a metaphor for Hashem's grandness. Right. Okay, good. That definitely seems to be the theme. That's going to be the approach we're going to take from the Erie. Yeah. <laughs> um, something about it is like a mouthful to read. It feels very halting in terms of the, like starting and stopping sentences with similar words in a jagged sort of way. Hashem Malach Geus Lavesh. Lavesh Hashem Oz Hizazar. I don't know. I mean, there's like poetic almost like, there's really like poetic like feel to it. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So uses Adir for both of them. Yeah. It, it's, it's weird though. So uh, I guess the, the question is, um, so we got in terms of our, our other four questions here, the main idea does seem to be about nature. Okay. So we'll, we'll work on that in a second, but let's go to our pivot point. Where would you say the pivot point is? After two. After two. Interesting. Why? Well, those are talking about um, like Hashem directly. Like okay. What he clothes himself, whatever his his throne. Yeah. And then it transitions to the waters. Okay. Three. So that you could divide it in terms of uh, of wait, say it again. Uh, in terms of uh, how you characterize the first half. Um, they're talking about, I guess, Hashem himself. Yeah. Okay. Right. So the first part is only talking about Hashem himself. And then his throne. And his throne, which is a part of the yeah. muscle of uh, Hashem's uh, kingship. And then it goes into talking about the world. Okay, good. That's definitely one candidate. You see another one? Could it be, so one, two has one part, then three, four, and then five separate schemes. Okay, how so? Again, waters and being less metaphoric again goes okay. similar yeah. to one and two. Okay, I definitely hear that also. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking the abrupt change seems to be five because it starts talking about his testimonies, which is it seems to be a type of mythos, you know, Edo, like Edo, Kukim, and Mishpatim, you know? So, like, we weren't talking about that before. You know, it seems like we were talking about the world or God's governance of the world, not the Eidos. And it's not even clear what it's saying, that your Eidos are trustworthy. Levesacha nava kodesh for your house. Holiness is appropriate. Like that's the base of Mikdash. Hashem la'orach emim. La'orach emim what? I mean, la'orach emim is not going with Hashem. Hashem is meolam. You know, it's, it's eternal. So like, it's just, the end just seems like a non-sequitur on multiple levels. 
So, so let, let's leave those two as, as questions for the uh, candidates for the pivot. I guess, are there any other questions that we have to address? I think this one's short enough that we can list the questions like we do for Michelet. What are the questions? The metaphor in the nature doesn't really seem to connect to the initial point that he's making. Yeah. Like talking about Hashem's like firmness and eternity and his strength and his non-faltering. Yeah. Then like I would expect him to then talk about like rocks or mountains. Yeah, water there is there for a long time. That's a good point. Okay. Water so, comes like the opposite, like it's flowing. It's moving. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You like it. Yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> good, good, good. I was hoping you'd go there. Okay. So the question is how do the first few how does the theme of the first few Pesukian jive with the emphasis on water. The first half seems to be about um, about eternal, um, unchanging firmness, and water is flowy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What else? Although I can see a possibility, by the way, because it does go back and emphasize Hashem being compared to the water at the end of four. Right. Not necessarily in terms of the unfalteringness. But, uh, yeah. Well, clearly an important question is what is the muscle of Hashem um, clothing and girding himself? And what does this have to do with the, the rest of the parak? I guess we'll, we'll, with the uh, with the earth and with the rest of the parish. Yeah. Let's ask about his like particularly the invocation of the kisa. Yeah. Like what's that relationship? To okay. The, yeah. Uh, How does does the kisa fit in? Okay. So then we have my question on five, which is uh, why in five. In Pasuk K, does it abruptly transition to Eidos, which are a type of mitzvos, and Besacha, which seems to be a different topic, whatever that is. Besacha does not, does not seem to be a muscle for the waters, or doesn't have to do with the waters here. All the words Nava Kodesh mean, but holiness is appropriate. Yeah, and what? Uh, why does he say "la'orech yamin"? Yeah. Also, the analogy almost seems to like not work. Like talking about the streams lifting their voice. Yeah. And then more than the sound of many waters is Hashem's majesty. Like right. It's like. The water's really loud, and your majesty is more than that loudness. Yeah, that's true. Majesty is not like a loud thing. That's a good point. Yeah. It's something to do with volume. Right. I mean, it does seem like it does sound like you're saying that, though, right? It sounds like yeah. things streams are loud, and uh, and the Maim Rabim is really, uh, sorry, Mikulok Maim Rabim, Adri Mikayam. So I'm unclear whether the Maim Rabim is also a reference to the water. We've got the, uh, I mean, to the, uh, sorry, the, um, the rivers. You've got the rivers, and they're loud. The, the breakers, are much louder, and then God is is more uh, 
Mighty than uh, is it Mighty or more majestic than us? Maybe Mighty is a better one if it's talking about the loudest. Yeah, yeah. that would fit better. Mm -hmm. Okay, so here's what I proposed. Let's do the Meiri, which is the one that I was drawn to most because he doesn't say it's not much yet. <laughs> okay, <laughs> um, and uh, and then we'll uh, and then we'll, we'll we should be able to finish the Meiri, and then we'll see if we can uh, uh, get a uh, a sense of the main idea. Uh, and I, I think I'd say I understand 95% of this Miri. There are a couple of parts I, I didn't quite get. Okay, so Miri on the right. So nicely, the Miri tells us what the theme is at the very beginning. Okay. Hashem Malach Yuzlavesh. Begomer. Gan Zeh Midmor, nearly Shuramat Achidosh Olam. This, it seems to me that this parak also talks about the creation of the world, also meaning because this version of Mashabas is talking about creation. And then he says, Ubifrat al Higalus Haaretz. Specifically, it's talking about the revelation of the land when the waters gathered in one place. Okay, so that's his unified theme here. Hashem's creation and a, in general, but a focus on the, that's day three, I believe, right? When the waters gathered in one place and the dry land was, uh, was exposed. Okay. And uh, it's reasonable to say that, but let's see how to spell it out. Hashem of Amar Hashem Malach Ke'uslavesh Klomar. I know this is the part where it gets a little sketchy here. El Yonim V'Tachtonim. So it means the upper existences and the lower existences. Shiakiru Ktas Ma'alaso Hatsuma, who recognize somewhat his um, tremendous stature. Okay, you have any idea what he means by El Yonim V'Tachtonim? I knew there's an idea of like Mayim Elyonim and Mayim Tachtonim. So I also thought that at first, uh, but I think it's saying that the Elyonim and Tachtonim recognize yeah. God's stature. And water doesn't recognize. Yeah. Maybe the beings? Like yeah. Angels and people? Yeah. That's what I think it's talking about also, right? So Elyonim are the angels, and the Tachtonim can't mean all of the lower creations because not all of them recognize. Yeah. Uh, so angels and human beings recognize God's. Uh, uh, exalted level, and that God girded himself with strength and might when he made the world out of nothing. And when he made the table, okay, so you know what the word table means? It's a weird word. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Arthur, I think, always translates as the civilized world. How did I translate it here? The world. Okay, fine. So I, I think it means like the settled port. So it either means the settled portion of the world. Like the um, like the play, the the land masses where people live, or it means the world as a whole, but in terms of the fact that people live on it. So I think when I was, I was preparing this with Ken, and I think Ken and I, I think we disagreed on what this means here. You tell me what you think this means. When he made the table in the middle of the world, Baltimot Vitanua Lishumtad, so that it doesn't uh, falter or move to any side. So what, what is that? Just factually, what's that last part thing? When he when he he prepared the the settled world in the middle of the olam so that it wouldn't go to any side. It's balanced. What's the it though? The world. Okay, so one possibility is to say that it's the world, like vis-a-vis -vis the universe. Vis-a-vis -vis the universe, right? The one possibility is to say the table is the is earth and the olam is the universe, which again in a geocentric model. You know what the other possibility would be? And the hint I can give you is his intro theme is the revelation of the earth when the water gathered in one place.
other possibility is I think it's talking about like like the Middle East and like Europe and like the places where people lived in Africa. Mm-hmm. Like I think they actually thought that that was the middle of the of the earth, like you know on on the globe and like all the extremities were were places where people didn't live and everything else was water. Right. The earth was flat, so it was the center. Uh, I don't think they thought that the earth was flat at this point. So uh, center meaning. Meaning, like on the like, this is the globe handy right. thing here, right? That you have basically the um, the all the land masses here, and that's where all the people live, and like everything else, everything else. is uh, okay. is is water. Right. But they just had no idea that there's anything, you know, the Americas. In the Erie, or he's saying that shot for one of the. I'm I'm really not sure actually. Okay. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, I I don't know who thought what at what point, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. He I mean, was like he was later, right? Like he was in the 14. Oh, wait, was he in the 1400s? I gotta check this now. Uh, I mean, even that might, yeah. They I, already knew, like, there was an extended world by then. Uh, good question. Like, they discovered know. America within the next 100 years. 100 yeah, years. right. 1249 to 1315. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, fine. So, so either, so in terms of the upshot here, it's either the world in the middle of, suspended in the middle of the universe, or it is the settled part of the earth that is in the middle of the unsettled part of the earth, which is the water. And I went that way because of his introductory thing that the, the earth was revealed and, and uh, you know, right. and it was gathered. And I think it's just going to be supported later on also. But let's just get talking here. So what is his interpretation of Hashem uh, clothes himself with grandeur? Creation. So that's his interpretation of the girding himself with strength. Um, right. So there's the clothing uh, himself and then there's the girding himself. And obviously they're related, but... Uh, Says the upper and lower existences that recognize God's exalted greatness or strength. Okay, but uh, so what what what's that muscle of the clothing? I mean, I guess clothing is like revealing in some extent. Yeah, like it, like you something to see when something is clothed. Right. So they're the beings of the Elyon and Tachlon are able to see him to some extent and recognize. Okay. Aspect of his existence. Okay, good. So that, that's also the way I was thinking about it, which is so I think the thing is like this is like you can't know God, right? Right. You can only know him through his creations. Um, so the universe is can be compared to clothing uh that is clothing God in the sense that clothing is is on a form. And it conceals the form, like you can't actually see the form that's under the clothing. That's the point of the clothing. But it, it, like indicates or points to the form that is beneath it, and it gives it grandeur. Like when a king puts on garments, he's concealing himself in a way that gives him grandeur. And that's really what the universe is in terms of God. Is that you look at the universe and you see the Chacham in it, and it points to the existence of God in a way that you can't actually see God Himself. So it's a good model, you know. And then the, the girding himself with strength. I mean. Remember that was the thing that they did, like soldiers girding their loins, like preparing for battle and stuff. So I guess that's just a muscle for the the most impressive aspect of the creation, which is the Yeshme I don't really know what else to get out of that other than that. Okay, so then he goes on. If you could explain it in a poetic manner, Shehakel Mislabesh, the Geus, that God girds or uh, sorry, clothes himself with uh, with with grandeur. Klomar. Now, I, I, this is one part I did not understand. Shehulmo vohul maso. And the footnote says Klomar. I don't even know what that means. Uh, uh, the homo in, in, in the um, 
dictionary says it, it suits him or it makes it suitable. But the footnote says, Not only is the grandeur befitting for him, he fits it. I, I don't know what that means. But not go back in the mirror, but not other creations. I don't know what that means. Even the, uh, he even set, set up, okay, this is an interesting point here. All greatness is a cause of, of destruction of a situation. But with God, he's the one who sets up the, the, the settled land permanently. You pick up anything I'm always saying here? I'm not 100% sure I do, but I can theorize. Every greatness is the cause of, for all breakings of situation, but God, he's the one who, who set it up to last. I mean, it could be that, like, strength and greatness is shown by dominating something else. Like, right. I'm stronger than this. Right. As opposed to, with God, he, the fact that he created it, essentially, right. is the showmanship of his... Strength. Yeah. So what's the uh, oh? So you think the the breaking of the situation is like the dominant dominating yeah. something that existed before? I hear. I hear. Yeah. So God's strength is evident in His maintenance maintenance of existence in right. a, in, a, in a stable way. Okay, that, that's a good shot. Yeah, I was thinking of something different, but I think I like what you're saying. But yeah, Shimon, you want to say something? That could also be related back to the whole waves and everything, like him being more powerful. Like even though he's created something strong as strong as whatever listed, and then still stronger that i guess ties into it a bit more okay yeah yeah so uh that i think is going to be borne out when we read uh the miri on those uh water perception here uh do i even want to say what i was going to say um yeah i think what you said is better okay all right next topic your throne is firm who should he scale the sea for bria such okay now it's talking about the creation of the heavens okay the spheres, the heavenly uh, celestial spheres are called a throne. Um, and that's uh, from uh, Open Pazgin Kisi, the heavens are my throne. The spheres were created in their beauty and in their utmost perfection. Okay, so that's the, 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 the spheres, and that's the metaphor of the throne. Ume'az... Oh, and also the reason why I think they called it the throne is because that's where the king gives his orders from. Mm-hmm. So they believe that the heavens, you know, uh, with how he controlled everything on earth. And from back then, meaning the time they were created, and forever, from forever are you. You are before, so to speak, the creation of the world because you created everything. Okay, fine. That's emphasizing God's eternity um, over everything. So we've got the um, the earth, the heavenly spheres, and then God is above everything. Okay, I don't think that's adding a new idea. All right, now we get to this point. Uh, that's alluding to the gathering of the waters. Uh, so I don't know if he means like that event, like when the waters gathered, then they lifted their voices, or if he's saying that the waters now are lifting their voices in praise, like out of the fact that they were gathered in one spot. I don't really know. And the water rivers will lift their vo- their Yarimu uh, Kol. So he's learning Dachyam at Kol, whatever that is. Um, they will lift their voices. When they flood places, when they crush and destroy. So 
But that's a little weird because I thought we were talking about how God like gathers the water in one spot. But I, he, I guess maybe he's, he's emphasizing that the time when you can see the water most powerfully is uh, when it floods. You see like the tremendous forces that are being dealt with here, uh, which is going to say that God has mastery over. Have you seen the movie The Impossible? Mm. Uh, you know who Tom Holland is? Yeah, plays the new Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. So this is, I think, one of his like first roles when he was a kid. It was about the uh, tsunami in, um, where was it? Japan. No, different tsunami in Indonesia, I think. Okay. Uh, and it's a uh, if you want a um, to go. Um, if you want a good flood movie of like seeing the destruction of the flood, I, I recommend that. It's uh, it, it's a big untrue story about like this family that gets like dispersed during this uh, tsunami, but it, it's it's good. Okay, so. Um, Adirim Mishbiriyam, uh, mighty or powerful are the breakers of the sea. Rotolomer Galehayam, meaning the waves of the sea. He, uh, Adir Bamaram Hashem, because Hashem is, uh, is mighty above uh, everything. To do with them and to change their nature. To make sand into the boundary of the sea. And to make it a boundary that will not be crossed. So I think that is like what you were saying. And that's uh, also the thing at the end is that despite the fact that these waters are very powerful, God makes it so that the waters have a boundary and they don't just constantly flood over the earth. Like you see water flood, when water floods, how much damage it can make, but things are stable on the dry land. Like you rarely get floods. I think it also connects to the flood point. I mean, the fact that the water has a boundary, it makes the flood that much more significant. Mm-hmm. It usually is contained. It's a, yeah, it's an event that doesn't... Uh, not what happened. Yeah, it highlights that. Okay. All right. Now we get to the part which I think, in my opinion, is the main idea. Since all these things are known by way of tradition, and they are drawn after belief in the creation of the world, meaning that if you hold the universe is eternal, then obviously you hold that God didn't separate the waters and make the dry land. You hold that that's just the nature of the universe. But if you believe in the, uh, in the, creation of the world out of nothing, then you'll believe this stuff. These are the things that are included in the word testimonies, Kamosh Bjarne. So he's now making a big move. He's saying that Edus is not referring to mythos. Yeah. It's referring to the things that the tradition testifies to, the fact that God created the world. Yeah, I feel like there are other examples of that, where we describe like nature as being a, like an aid to Hashem's creation. Uh, I feel like that also. Yeah. I mean, I know we... Uh, hold on a second. Well, okay... You're not thinking, are you thinking of um, like calling upon the heavens and earth to testify or? Maybe. Okay, because Hazinu is the first thing that came into my mind. Uh, but I think there's examples that are more directly about what you're saying also. Because Hazinu, he's saying, uh, listen, heavens and earth, and most of you know testimony, but that's more testimony about the relationship with the Israel, not nature. Mm-hmm. So I, I think there are people like you're saying. Okay, now this is going to be, I think, the main point. Your testimonies are very uh, trustworthy. Uh, the tr- the testimonies of Hashem are trustworthy. And for your house, okay, here we go. Where's your house? Not the Beit Hamikdash. So your house, God's house, is referring to the the gathering of Chachamim who possess this belief. Okay, so for them, Nava Kodesh, holiness is appropriate. Wrote the Lomar. Uh, that it is fitting for them to sanctify him and glorify him. Not for the deniers, the heretics, who do not believe anything. Except for that which is dictated by logical proof 
and decreed by intellectual analysis. Okay, so, so what he's saying is that if you are a person who's only who's not relying on God's testimonies, and you're only relying on what you yourself can derive from your own intellectual analysis, then you're gonna not recognize this point, and you're gonna um, you're you're gonna be in doubt about whether God created the world or not, or you're gonna believe that the universe is eternal. But so the only ones who are really proper to uh, praise God about this, to sanctify Him, are the Beis which are the people in God's house, which is the Chachamim. And I'm just realizing now, uh, in this week's parsha, wait, no, wait, last week's parsha, last week's parsha is Bahaloska, right? Then um, you remember the phrase that so God calls Moshe Rabbeinu Anavikol um, Adam, but then He describes Him with a house muscle. Before Beiti Neeman. That Moshe is the most trustworthy in all my house, and the Rama explains that that means that Moshe had complete knowledge of like the universe. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how that matches up with the, with the house thing. I'm just recalling that it's a, it's a similar thing here. Um, okay, so so he's saying that they're the ones. So in other words, if you are if you are not part of God's house of Chachamim and you don't have access to these uh, testimonies, you will not realize that God created the world, and you will not realize His grandeur and His majesty. Uh, and that's what what the Kofrim do. Right. Yeah. And thus, you won't be fit for holiness. Uh, so I think, holiness? yeah, you have to declare holiness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so let's finish reading, and then we'll we'll, we'll try to put it together. Uh, okay, Hashem, or, oh, sorry, Vuhu Omro, and this is what he's saying: Hashem Hashem for for long days. Not that it should be destroyed in the end. Avashuhu, um, meaning okay, meaning don't think that when David says for long days, he means for long days, but eventually it will be destroyed. He's saying. Uh, for long days, he's davening for a time when you should be afraid that it will be destroyed. Whenever the other nations have dominion. Until the time when the entire earth becomes filled with the knowledge of Hashem, that's Mashiach, and then no one will be afraid anymore. Uh, uh, I think it's a, a linguistic proof that the word, um, uh, that it, the phrase would be used this way. Uh, don't abandon us until uh, I, uh, sorry, I will not abandon you until I have done what I've said. It doesn't mean that, and at that point, I will abandon you. It means that, like, up until that point, I don't need to be worried about abandonment. From here on, you don't need a, a promise. Okay, so let's just go back to the, the text and just, like, summarize each line of what he says to try to get a full picture here. Uh, and and the question is, will we if we get a main idea? Okay, so Hashem reigns, clothed in grandeur, clothes Hashem. He has girded himself with strength. Even the world you firmly established will not falter. So, theme is the gather, is the creation of the world, gathering the water in one place. Hashem reigning and, and being clothed in grandeur is the idea that we know God's grandeur through the laws of nature, uh, which are like would conceal Him yet reveal His would but glorify Him. The girding himself with strength is. The greatest display of God's strength, which is creation, Yeshmeayin. Your throne stands firm from of old. That's referring to the heavens and how He created those first. From forever are you, and that's the idea that you, so to speak, predate the heavens. The streams lifted up, the streams lifted up their voice. The streams lifted up their roaring. That's the idea of the waters being. Um, what do you say about that? But that was the waters. Uh, oh yeah, that's the powerful. Um, the fact that the waters are powerful when they flood, uh, which God prevented from happening because He put a boundary there. Uh, how do you explain that one? 
Um, oh yeah, in other words, God is more powerful than them because he's the one who set their boundaries. And then, your testimonies, meaning the tradition that you gave us through the Torah that God created the world, they're very trustworthy. And for those who know them, that's the people in the house, which is the Chachamim, Nava Kodesh, it is proper to, to sanctify you. Hashem Lorachimim, and Hashem, may you grant this long, uh, um, when you preserve these Chachamim until the time of Mashiach when everyone will know it. So after reading all of it, I still think that the pivot point is number five, because he's basically saying that everything said in one through four is only preserved because of the Eidos. And the last part is a bakasha to ask for for these coming who appreciate this to be preserved. Oh man, I need to bring a book. It's a great thing to read. Um, okay, I'll, I'll I'll summarize it. But um, there's a book called Coming of Age in the Milky Way, which is like a history of like science and cosmology, and it basically talks about how there was a time period. I think I want uh, another reason I wanted to bring this is I don't remember the dates. I think it was sometime in like the six or seven hundreds in Europe, when basically the, the seeds of the dark, the, the dark ages were planted and like mankind had been making steady progress in their understanding of the universe. And like the Greeks had been developing it and all this other stuff. And then basically like the Christians took over and restored everything to a simplistic way of viewing the world. And like, you know, uh, stopped calculating like the stop doing astronomy and all this other stuff and then things fell into like this uh, this dark ages and like i got that vibe when he's saying here basically that that oh yeah hold on a second i realize i'm segueing into the main idea you want to theorize about the main idea in light of this yet or, or uh you want to uh, take a thing about everything <laughs> it's tough yeah it's tied all together mm -hmm. it's like a lot happened mm -hmm. but i do think the key is, is public five And still not quite like, still don't know why he's emphasizing the water so much. I'm kind of getting my main idea from one, two, and five. <laughs> why dove it is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And even in the Miyuri's framework, like. I mean, that's how I was feeling with the Miyuri, the way he sort of like turned it into the whole things about the collecting of the waters. Yeah. It's almost like he needed to do something with the fact that yeah. water is so emphasized. Right, right. Which. I don't think it's the most compelling yeah. uh, idea. I, yeah, like it makes yeah. sense. Yeah, if it's not right, I, I, okay. it doesn't seem. It seems like you could have used a different metaphor for that. Yeah, like it could have been the exact like the collecting of the land. Right. Yeah. Also, look, I mean, once he's talking, once Meiri is talking about the um, the heavens, which I, I don't think it's a bad job. I mean, because throne does mean that. So, like, why not have the pair talk about? Hashemayim and Mustafim Kulokel, like the heavens declare the glory of him. Like that's really where the majesty is, you know, like, 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 from Paragraph 19, you know, like waters, in other words, because waters are not the greatest display of God's majesty, it seems like they would have to play a stronger theme here, right. you know, like a particular, more specified. Yeah. Role. Oh, you know what, though? Okay. He could be being sneaky. The Miri. The Miri. That he referenced, um, Umal Haradz Be'a Es Hashem. 
that the in, uh, that the request that David is making is until the entire earth is filled with an Adar Hashem. Um, and the end of that pasuk is commonly on machasim, like waters that cover the seabed. So if he was using that as a muscle for knowledge, I would go along with that. I just don't see that in the Meiri, you know. But that would, that would fit into the theme of the parak. I mean, if you want to say that these waters are metaphorical, that through the like waters being a muscle for knowledge, and through the knowledge, then we recognize Hashem's majesty, then it would fit in much more seamlessly, you know. Yeah. Um, let me share my theory because we've got like five minutes, and then uh, and then um, there uh, I only really looked at the Meiri, but obviously there's another approach and see if we we could do it next time. So here, here, here's my, uh, what I think the main idea is, okay, is um, I think we kind of take it for granted that you can look out at the world and appreciate Chachmah Hashem, you know, but in reality, you would not do that if you held that the universe was eternal. You would just view this as a feature of nature. And what the only way that you really know that the universe was created is through the Kabbalah, is through the tradition. And not only that, but through the Chachamim who can then elucidate the Chachmah in nature. So in reality, the only thing that is causing God to be clothed with majesty, God created the world even if no one knew about it, right? Um, uh, but the only thing that makes him clothed in majesty, which has to do with our perception, is the fact that there has been this Mithorah of appreciating Chachmah Hashem in nature preserved through the Chachmah Yisrael, which is based on the fact that we were given this fact that God created the universe. And I think it's highlighting the fact that we need God to preserve that base you know, that house, in order for us to recognize God's grandeur. And if if that ceases, then you lose out on all of Hashem's grandeur. And I think you can see this in, I mean, not to get political, but like you see this in like um, the anti-science factions within the Jewish people, that they are not seeing Hashem's grandeur through nature. You know, the thing maybe through Torah, but they're not seeing it through nature. And, and the real grandeur is from appreciating God as the creator, you know? So again, I, I think it's like, there's like this, uh, I think because we live in a scientific era, it's hard for us to, or it's easy for us to forget that like for thousands and thousands of years, the average man would look out on the on nature and see spirits or see like God's fighting and then procreating out the mountains or like, you know, or we, or, or, or just, you know, Aristotle, like just, this is the nature of the universe and it's unchanging and there's no, creature and design, you know? So it's really the fact that we have a Hamim that was given to Masora that it passed it down, that allows us to see God's grandeur, and then we ask our to preserve the Chachamim. Mm-hmm. So that ties the whole thing together, except the waters, right. which seem to be like, even the way the Meiri talks about it, like, this is about God creation of the world, and especially the waters. Like, it's like he's, like, throwing it as an afterthought, you know? Right. Yeah. I thought when you were saying before, it's not... That's fine. Uh, I mean, the, the fact, though, that the water is separate from the earth, like, allowed all that process to happen. Okay. Like, we'd be dead right. if there was no separation right, of water true. and land. Like, we'd yeah. be underwater. Yeah. I mean, you could have made this with gills, I guess. Like, <laughs> yeah. Go to that place, but, like... Right. So, I, I'm going to give it equally... Uh, uh, I don't know if this is a satisfying thing, is... Okay. I'll just say it. i got to say it. Okay. Is that, um, that in the same sense that, like, if God didn't set it up in a way where the waters were kept in their boundaries, we would all be flooded. If God didn't give us the Eidos, then we would completely be uh, without this knowledge and recognition of God's grandeur. There's like a metaphorical parallel there right. in the sense that like God's the one who set the boundaries and God's the one who gave us these Eidos. 
so that we can recognize the significance of the standing of boundaries and see his like his grandeur. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it, it's poetic, like yeah. it, 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 you know, it works out well poetically. Okay. So I guess that, that was, I would say that was, that was okay. Yeah. It was okay. Yeah. And now we can understand the connection to Ms. Marshall and Mashabas. Okay, because Ms. Marshall and Mashabas is about David appreciating God Kaufman in, in nature. And then this follows it up by saying, but yeah, even David wouldn't be able to appreciate that if he had to start from scratch. Then he'd be like coping, he'd be in doubt. It's only because David has access to the Mithorah of Yikmeayan through the Torah and the preservation of the Chachamim that you're able to do that. You know, so it's like, Mizrafil and Mishabas, this was brought to you by Perak Tadi Gimel, you know, right. like like the phenomenon there. And and uh, uh, it ends on a Bakasha because we, we it's Bakasha is our way of recognizing that we shouldn't take it for granted that this is just going to last forever. Like, no, there are threats. Like when the other nations threaten us and try to deny our Torah or kill our Chachamim, the whole thing could be jeopardized, you know, and you could like end up in another dark ages. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. There you go. I'll finish the in one shot. <laughs> if you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Weiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schnee Weiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewos at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.